We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome into a special off-season edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen joined by the venerable DJ Trainer. It is August 25th, officially the dog days of summer. We're about, what, two months out from the start of the NBA season? I think it's always right around that Halloween uh, weekend. I think Halloween falls on a weekend this Thir- year. but 37, 38 days away, I think, from pre-season. openers. Or is it preseason? Yeah, I mean, the, the real season doesn't I- start until, what, something like October 28th or yeah. 29th. Okay, saw a, tweet, um, saw a tweet, threw the number out there. But yeah, yeah, I think it's 38 days until Dallas opener. That's the tweet I saw earlier, okay. earlier today. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I haven't talked to you uh, one-on-one in a podcast setting about the NBA in a long time. I haven't, we haven't really talked NBA since the finals. I, you and I watched Game 7 together um of course cleveland taking down golden state i was very happy about that you were more more neutral as as an oklahoma city fan but that's what i wanted to talk to you about uh obviously the kd news i think that broke right on july 4th so you know we're almost two months away from that the dust is all settled on kd to the warriors but i want to get your perspective 
as a Thunder fan, you, you have a little bit of a unique perspective, um, you know, in, in that you're maybe a little more biased in this situation than I am as just a general NBA observer. So I want to start out saying, or asking you, I should say, do you want to see KD win in Golden State? No, I don't. I want that team to lose. Uh, with all due respect, like it's fine. I, you know, you can go back and listen to every other episode. I think the main theme of us talking about this every time we did bring it up is, you know what? If you truly want to win championships, you're going to do whatever it takes. So that means texting KD for the last two years. That means joining Draymond Green and, and Curry and Thompson. So I really am not going to harp on a guy that's trying to win championships because that makes sense to me. He he made a decision to made, win championships, and you know how dare us how dare us attack him for that? On top of that, nine years is a lot of time to spend in one city when you're a millionaire. Uh, much less anybody. So if you just want to change the scenery, just want to do something new, I'm not going to fault somebody for that. So am I bitter? Maybe a little bit because I'd love for them to lose every single game. Do I understand it? Yes, I do. 0-82 Warriors season coming up. Um, T-shirts being made right now. Does it change how you view Kevin Durant as a person, as a player, as as an entity, which, which is an odd word to use, but you know, that's kind of the, the status that these players, especially players like Kevin Durant, who, you know, is a top three, four player uh, in the league, you know, his decision becomes much more than a personal decision. It becomes something that's dissected by people like us, by everyone who cares about the NBA and by some people who don't even care about the NBA on Twitter. Um, I mean, is it, does it change how you view him or how you view his his legacy when, when things are all said and done? And obviously it's going to depend on maybe what happens in Golden State, but is it automatically going to be discounted like people thought LeBron's uh, legacy would be discounted when he initially left Cleveland? Obviously, I think he was kind of able to rehab it, and you know, it's such a unique story with, with what happened last season. But, I mean, to you, is, there, is this always going to kind of be the, the thing that hangs over Kevin Durant's career regardless of what happens? If he doesn't win any championships, then yeah, it hangs over his head. As a person, like I said uh, just you know a minute ago, I, I, I don't – I don't blame him at it from a pers- you know just like a very personal standpoint. I get it. I get wanting to try new things, new adventures, new challenges. Totally get it. I don't think it hangs over his head. If they go on and win three of the next five championships, he's going to go down as a winner. He's still going to go in. I mean, his number is still going to be hanging from the rafters in Oklahoma City. Time heals all wounds. Um, I, I, Do they I have think- to win it right away? Well, that's a big question, right? So the big three in Miami didn't win it right away, and everybody jumped all over them. But they, I mean, they still made it to championships. Do the they have to win it right I, away? Yes. This particular yes, team needs to win it right away. Do they expand if they don't win it right away? No, I don't know why they would do that. But I mean, I guess they have the contract option to do that, though, don't they? Well, the, the difference between this team and the Miami team, and that's the closest comparison, certainly, that we have to to any superstars teaming up like this, is none of those guys, Bosh, Wade, and LeBron, uh, and Eric Dampier, I should say, who joined that right. team in, in 2010 as well, had ever played together before, you know, outside of an all-star game setting or, you know, an Olympic setting, things like that, which don't really count. He, Nick, people were not saying that, though. After they lost the championship, they were saying, wow, what a failure this was. Well, no, right, right, stuff. right. I mean, at the start, you know, start of the 2010-11 season, when that first came together, it was... You know, they got off to something like an eight and five start, which, you know, by that team standards was, you know, an atrocity. But the difference here is that the three of the four core players on this roster, not to mention Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala and the coaching staff have all been there. You know, it's been three, four years for for Draymond and Clay and Curry together. So, you know, I think there's going to be the issue of reinserting Durant, but 
part of the issues that plagued Miami initially were that three guys had to figure out how to play together, whereas right now you're just bringing one player in, and granted, it's maybe the best player of all the three and the most impactful of the three, uh, no slight to Stephen Curry, but I think that'll maybe ease the transition a little bit. At the same time, there's going to be bumps. I, I, this team isn't going to start 25-0 and 0 and just steamroll everybody. They, you don't just bring in a player like Kevin Durant and not have to kind of figure things out. There's going to be sacrifices made, even if Clay Thompson says there won't. You might be in the minority in that thought. Yeah, I think so. I think I probably I think, I think you're, it, you're hedging their bets for no reason at all. They should win every game. I mean, they should, but they won't. You, it doesn't just work like that. I mean, Miami should have won every game on paper, right? Yeah, no, no, I I agree with you, but I think I think as we get closer to the season, it you know it doesn't matter who's on the schedule. This this team could legitimately be favored for all eighty two games over oh, the course of the be. season. Why they would, will. Why be. would they not be? Yeah, unless there's an injury. Yeah, exactly. Well, even if there's an injury, I I still think right. that they. Well, could that be that is what's crazy about this is that yeah. you look at that Miami team, and we're going to keep comparing them uh, to that you know 2010 through 2014 iteration of the Heat. Is that it was three guys, and that was it. You know, it was that I think the starting point guard and the starting center in the finals that year were Eric Dampier and Mike Bibby you know that this Golden State team is so much deeper on the bench and they're so much deeper in the starting lineup you you could literally say Stephen Curry you know maybe the ankle injuries come back god forbid and he plays 60 games they still probably run away with the West yeah I think ideally as a coaching staff and the players that were there I don't think they would mind if they lost you know one of their first five games get that monkey off no. your back well they're not they had a lot of well they had a lot of pressure going into the season when they were rolling into you know 24 and 0 um and of course rolled as they got Milwaukee. to the end of the season we had yeah rolled into Milwaukee that's right at, at the end of the season we we had a pretty extensive de- debate that went over multiple po- podcasts should they go for it should they not go for it if they do go for it does it actually affect them in the playoffs now i think we took different perspectives i said it will um you know you could say if if, if that was true or not if it actually did or not but re- regardless I, I think that it'll be nice for them if they temper expectations even though they have the best composed team of all time the problem is it's impossible to temper those expectations. Like, what are you going to come out and say? You know, if you're Steve Kerr, are you going to say, well, like, what, what I'm saying don't temper expect ex- too much, guys. You know, like, well, it's, it, the, the expectations are going to be there. Expectations are 82-0 and 0 because they're going to be favored in every single game coming up this season. So as soon as they get that monkey off their no back... No one's expecting them to win 82 games. I think 75 games is, is like a fairly realistic expectation. And even that's that, still a monkey. I mean, that's a major monkey to, to go no. the whole course of the season. That's it's, we're having the exact same bet. We're just like upping it, you know, six games that we did last season. Okay, Man, the mental stress is a real thing. I think it actually behooves this team to not go for that record at all. But they might they might not have a choice. They might just be good enough that. You know, like, like what what does what does it even mean to not go for it? Like, would they be deliberately resting guys to stay away from the record? You know what I mean? They it, they already have the record, first of all. You know, like they they'd just be shooting for their own record, which I think, in some regards, you know, this isn't exactly the same team as last year. Circumstances are different with Durant, but you chasing yourself from last year, I think, is a little less inspiring, you know, than chasing an all time great team like the Chicago Bulls and certainly the twenty four or twenty fifteen sixteen Warriors are in that conversation, but. I think they've kind of been there, done that, you know, like the, the, the inspiration and the, you know, the, the mindset, I guess that you have to have, it just, it just might not be there, but at the same time, they might be good enough that the record's going to be in reach if these guys are playing 75 plus games. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I the what it comes down to is I don't think that each of these guys will be playing 75-plus sure. games. I think that they're going to be resting. That, that'll that be kind of set perhaps e- even early on within the first couple months of the season. You yeah. know, we're we're going to take this pretty easy. Let's just get it all out there. We know we're making the playoffs. Not only that, we know we're making it to the finals or at least the conference finals. Um, even with an injury, we're mm-hmm. still going to get that far. So why why risk the season? Uh, similarly, like with LeBron James, um, we're going to talk about uh, – uh, a draft that you had definitely one of the earliest NBA drafts of, of of the season for sure and I'm not high on LeBron James because I think he's going to go into rest mode as he should when you have Kyrie Irving when you have Kevin Love as your backbone to go out there and win you games at least stay competitive there's just simply no reason to exhaust yourself and I'm speaking to the Cavaliers and I'm speaking to this team this year's Warriors listen there's, up KD yeah listen up you guys there's just absolutely no reason to exhaust yourself during the regular season just stay healthy stay mentally fresh and things will get down to business in the spring yeah I have thoughts on that we'll get to that like you said when we talk about LeBron uh, in that early fantasy mock um does it view to just kind of wrap up the the KD Warriors talk and this is certainly something that's going to continue as the season gets closer and throughout the entire season does it change how you view any of the current Warriors players with Durant joining them? You know, I think there's going to be a knock in most people's minds to Durant's, you know, to his legacy, to, you know, is he just a front runner? Um, you know, whatever that means for him long term. But does it kind of work both ways? Like Durant joining Curry, Draymond, and Thompson, does that hurt them at all? Or with him coming their way, are they kind of immune to that? Same exact thing I said. I mean, if you truly want to win championships and that's your only focus, like you're, you're a professional just to win championships, that's your only goal, then yeah. I, I mean, I just can't fault these guys for putting themselves in a better situation to win mm-hmm. championships. That, no, I Plain agree. and simple. So no, so no, I do not knock them because it was within the rules. If they cheated and like, uh, like fudged the numbers or something like that to fit it into the payroll, then of course I'd be like, no, that's not great. I look down upon these guys, but they did it within the rules. This is this is a weird, you know, five year span that we're going to have where we're going to have different sets of contracts over five years in five years we're going to go back and the market will reset Mm -hmm. but this is going to be a weird five years we've all been saying it we all knew this would happen it just happened to happen with perhaps the biggest free agent that's ever come onto the free agent market yeah no i'm with you on that i if you have a chance to add kevin durant to your nba basketball team you add kevin durant and if you don't and if you don't do it there's something wrong with you right yeah i I mean if you're i don't think we saw that from anyone on the warriors you know i think the the clay thompson comments or you know i'm not sacrificing bleep got maybe taken out of context a little bit but these guys want kevin durant on their team of course i mean this is this is the the number one threat to them returning to the finals was this guy now he's on their team so that's the other part of this too is and this has been harped on quite a bit is not only did the warriors get you know, drastically better by adding Kevin Durant. They also, in the process, completely destroyed their number one competitor, which is just unbelievable. Huge this is, swing, yeah. It is. It is really crazy. And and to wrap up that point, you know, comparing to this Miami team again, nobody ever faulted Dwayne Wade for LeBron and Bosh coming to him. You know, it was all aimed at LeBron, Bosh to some degree, more for his on court play than anything else. Um, so yeah, I don't think we're going to see much of that, and I haven't at all. I haven't seen you know, anyone bashing Curry or Draymond or Clay or the Warriors organization really for doing this. It's, it's all really been directed at Kevin Durant. Yeah, fair enough. You know, Nick, sometimes when we do this podcast, I just have a tendency to dislike you. Really? Yeah, just, I, I don't know. It's just a tendency, though. I wouldn't worry about it too much. Just a tendency? Just a tendency to, to dislike you. Oh, what a transition. Unbelievable. Uh, so John Wall, Brad yeah. Beal. Um, John Wall recently just saying that he has sometimes a tendency 
to dislike Brad Beal on the court. Um, not the most surprising quote because John Wall <laughs> is John Wall and sometimes says things like this, but if you're a Wizards fan, this is not great news. You, you just had a very uneventful free agent summer and you know, not getting Kevin Durant, that seemed like it was becoming a foregone conclusion around midseason last year. So, you know, that aside, I don't know if this team really got better. They missed the playoffs. They gave a max deal to a player who might be on a minutes restriction the rest of his career. Things are not great. Um, and, you know, I think for people who follow the Wizards closely, this is probably nothing new. There, there's been spats between Wall and Beal in the past. Nothing that's, you know, caused a major, major rift. But, you know, for a team that's looking to get back into the playoffs and really is depending so, so heavily on this backcourt, this isn't great news. You misspoke earlier. You said they didn't make much waves in the free agent Yama market. Uh, Jason Smith was added to the team. Much needed. Well, they lost Nene, though. You gotta, I don't know. I don't know how you replace that. Yeah, Jason Smith, just come on, man. The Wizards didn't get he much made better. made a splash. The point of this is their backcourt doesn't necessarily like each other and they didn't get a whole lot better, I don't see how they make the playoffs. Yeah, it's pretty much as simple as that. Not only did they not get KD, but in KD's statement when he announced that he was leaving to the Warriors, he said that Oklahoma City as a city raised him. So there's the slap in the face to Washington. Now, to be fair, I don't think Kevin Durant even wrote that. So I mean, cheers to that. Uh, That's a whole other issue that we can talk about some other day. But yeah, I mean, not in a great situation. And they really haven't been in a great situation. Maybe like three or four years ago when people looked at Kevin Durant's uh, contract and saw how it was lining up was maybe the highlight of this decade for the Wizards franchise. Yeah, I mean, other than the brief, uh, the brief but explosive rise of Gilbert Arenas, that's probably pretty true. Um, but yeah, I mean, this the Wizards are just not not in a good spot. I think I always believe that they had more of a shot at Kevin Durant than people. You know, you know, the generally it was kind of written off as just a pipe dream. You know, KD doesn't want to play in his hometown, whatever. But it, with all the surprises that we've seen in free agency and, and KD going to Golden State being one of them over the last few years, I would, I was never quite writing the Wizards off, but you get to midway through last season and you know certainly getting toward the end of the season as this team just kind of crumbled didn't make the playoffs like they had an opportunity here to to prove i think had they built a pretty solid core around john wall and around brad beal and and those two playing up to their potential is a big part of that of course had they done that i think they actually would have been a decent competitor for kevin durant you know do they ultimately land him? maybe not maybe they end up kind of where the celtics did where it seemed like there was some very very heavy consideration but at the end of the day if you know, if winning was always going to be number one, it's pretty much impossible to, to find a better situation than he's entering. I think I don't mind this team though. Like the starting five isn't that bad at all. Like I think Markeith Morris is very underrated. You just can't depend on him though. That's the thing. Like Markeith Morris ideally is like your sixth man. Sure. Yep. I'm fine with that. Otto Porter can't be your third best player. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's definitely a good point. Otto Porter, though, is maturing into something that I really like yep. a lot. A very solid guy. Kelly uh, Oubre was fine last year as a rookie. Right, yeah. No, this team as a whole can definitely make the playoffs. They finished at 41 yeah. and 41 last season, I think, is where they ended up. They almost did make the playoffs last year. I don't know why they wouldn't actually be better this year. Still a disappointment in terms of where this franchise seemed to be trending just two or three years ago. The nice thing is the Southeast is a complete mess, and you know you very rarely even talk about divisions in the NBA. But you know you, you go if you just go division by division. You know, Toronto and Boston to me are locks to make the playoffs in the Atlantic. Make your case about the Knicks. I think they're borderline, but you know, gun to my head, they're probably in. Cleveland, Indiana, Detroit. 
I feel pretty good about in the Central. And then you have Chicago and Milwaukee, which, you know, I don't think it would surprise anyone if if the Central snuck five teams in, which which would be, you know, quite a feat. But I think Chicago and Milwaukee are kind of in that seven to ten range for a lot of people. Then you get to the Southeast, and is there one team there that you feel really, really good about? I mean, Atlanta is probably a playoff team, but certainly not a team that got a whole lot better. If anything, they got worse. Um, Orlando, I think, got worse this offseason. Charlotte didn't really do a whole lot. Miami got quite a bit worse. Um, so, there, I mean, if anything, the door is maybe open for Washington to, to take advantage of what might be a softer schedule with, with those games against the Southeast. Yeah, I agree. Charlotte could definitely make the playoffs. I could see them. Just, Charlotte should get in, but they should. They're just so uninspiring. Like even when you're watching the games and they're mm-hmm. winning or there's a close game and you're just, you're just not terribly enthused. Just, I, know. I mean, one of the best and most exciting college players of all time Kemba Walker I'm, just, I'm not but a Kemba in the guy. NBA yeah he's just I don't know if he's hidden in that market like if he played for the Knicks over the past few seasons things might be different be but it's probably a combination of the market and the fact that he's really not that efficient mm-hmm. in the NBA a couple things that just aren't going well in terms of yeah. him being like a mega star like he was in college all right um one quick question before we move on let's say it's New York Chicago and Washington battling for two playoff spots which two of the three get in New York, Chicago, and Washington. Uh, Chicago and New York. I mean... I'm with you there. The big big issue here is Rondo, Wade, and Butler. None of those three guys are great shooters, so somebody's going to have to figure out how to space the court. Um, or not even space... Well, when I say space the court, I mean the defense respecting their spacing right. on the court, of course. So uh, I, I still think that they can figure things out because you got... I mean, a lot of good talent. I mean, a lot of good veteran backcourt right. minds there. Uh, New York is going to be pretty solid this year. Wouldn't be surprised if they were like a three or four seed. Yeah, I think they could get as high as three or four. I think they could be as low as nine or ten. You know, if there's an injury, if Porzingis kind of kind of tops off, which I think I think he's going to be really good. If Porzingis takes the next step, I think they're close to a lock for for, for being a playoff team, just because of how good I think he'll be. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chicago, it's just going to come down to can they find a way to translate you know a pile of talent into wins? Because I, I don't think they're going to play well together, but there might be just enough talent where they're able to just grind out 44 wins and sneak in as the eight. Uh, but I, I don't like what Chicago did you know, as a whole this offseason. NBA 2K ratings beginning to leak out. We'll just talk about this quickly. What's your favorite year of, of either NBA 2K or NBA Live or whatever other NBA games you've played over the years? 2003 NBA Live. Yep, Jason um, Kidd. Jason Kidd on the cover. I still think NBA Street. I spent yes, way more hours playing two. that Oof. than – I don't know if I'll go – yeah, I definitely played Volume 2. NBA Street, is, I spent the most hours playing, mm-hmm. but 2003, playing with Jason Kidd. Now, my pers- everybody plays a little bit different, but when I played by myself, I would always just take a point guard, and Jason Kidd obviously is the best point guard in this time, and just hound the opposing point guard, just steal yep. button, steal button, steal button, the whole way up the court, steal easy points. Like yep. Jason Kidd, every time I played with them, had like 70 points and, and 20 steals and then fouled out in the third quarter or something like that. So 2003 NBA Live with Jason Kidd on the cover. That was one I had as well, NBA Live 2003. That was back in the hand check days. So if you're playing on PlayStation right. 1, you just push circle and you basically just shove the opponent, grab the ball, go dunk. Uh-huh. Uh, NBA Live 2005 is also in a tie because of the dunk contest. That was Carmelo Anthony on the cover. Uh, this was probably more of a PS2 game, maybe GameCube or, or original Xbox for some, but I mean, you're throwing the ball off the camera, off the jumbotron, off the backboard. Really? Uh, and this I didn't was, have this was this the year. first NBA Live game that ever introduced that. So me being in 
fifth or sixth grade or whatever it was at that time. This was, you know, kind of peak time for me to get at that. Uh, NBA 2K7 also makes the list as I'm cheating and throwing three games on. Played probably upwards of 300 games of that during my freshman year in the dorms uh, here at UW. Still play it every now and then. The disc is cracked in the middle where you, where you slip it into your PS2, you know? Okay. Uh, so that's caused some pretty big issues. The games take upwards of five minutes to load once you set wow. your lineups and whatnot. And the biggest thing is the audio is messed up. So during games, it'll just start playing random clips. So there's there's no commentary at all during the games. But then out of nowhere, for, for some reason, even if he's not playing in the game, you could be playing Bucks versus Nets. And the announce over the PA system in the arena, it'll just start saying, Chris Bosh, Chris Bosh, Chris Bosh, Chris <laughs> Bosh, for like three straight minutes, like really, really loudly. And then it just stops. So the, the audio is completely messed up, but that's kind of become a fun quirk to the game when I, when I still play it with the guys every now and then. Yeah, I was going to say, you're super committed to a game that you could, should be able to pick up for like four this, bucks. Well, see, there's a lot of history behind it. So it was one of my friends from back home in Green Bay. He owned the game originally. And we got really, really into it the summer before we went to college, you know, as 18 year old kids do, they sit around and play PlayStation two. Our friend was scared that we would get too good on it. He was going on like this big two week vacation with his family. So he hid the game <laughs> in his house cause he didn't want us to play it while he, while he was gone and get too good. So we had to, we used a credit card to slip in the back door of his house, like Whoa. broke into his house, went, stole the game and then like send him a photo of it, which he showed his mom who then called our moms oh. and was just like screaming at us for breaking into their house which we're like we're their friends like she knows us we were clearly just going in to get this game and locking it but ended up getting grounded for a couple days as an 18 year old before going off to college so that was pretty cool anytime you like break into a house using your credit card and then try to explain it like slipped in you know what's you know what's slipped right in you know what's hilarious and then we should spend too much time on this my nba live 2003 game got stolen by this my next door neighbor who house sit for us during vacation one time he acted like it wasn't him it's like dude you had keys to the house and right. like we play this game all the time let's try anyways yeah it's a, it's a high high demand game people are willing to break in the, <laughs> into, into friends houses to take it um so staying in the same vein nba video games all-time favorite video game team or players to use over the over the years. I already mentioned Jason Kidd. I did a whole lot of that. What was it? Square yep, button yep. on PS2, just square, square, square. Also, when I played other people, though, back in the day, like NBA games are really hard now. I played one for the first time in a long time, hard. like maybe seven or eight years, and I was trying to implement the same strategies. It was just like muscle no. memory. You can't do it. So back in the day when I played other people, I would take Kevin Garnett on the Timberwolves, and I'd basically just do like layup or whatever square, whatever whatever it was, or dunk to the mm-hmm. hole, and you'd get the other team in foul trouble just constantly. And yeah. I'd just foul out all their best players. You can't do that anymore. But so Kevin Garnett, Jason Kidd, two favorites. I should mention that anytime I'm playing against the computer or if I'm playing at you know my house against friends, fouls are off, fatigue is off, Whoa. game speed's okay. up. Like I'm definitely the, I wonder if I can beat the computer 300 to zero type of guy. Uh, so basically as unrealistic as you can make it. Uh, but LeBron in 2K7, completely unstoppable, way too good of a three-point shooter, but I'm not going to complain. And then Rasheed Wallace was always a guy in, in NBA Live 03. And I went back and did some research today. He was an 87 overall uh, only a 72 overall from three, which wasn't great. Uh, weird, weirdly enough, he was a, a 50 overall in NBA Live 2002 from three and a 90 from three in NBA 2001. So the ratings were just drastically swinging every year. Not really like that anymore. Uh, but Rashid Wallace was the guy I used to take down my dad quite a bit uh, back in elementary school with him. 
any players that you used on these games who were drastically better in the game than they were in real life? Now, I have John Wall as my top one. That's only because when I played recently on this new format, and I, maybe it's just because I don't know how to play, his speed is so fast that the, the guy I was playing against was like literally running circles around me with John Wall. Like It was blazing fast, and it's like, yeah, he is really fast and, and really good in real life, but this is like you know, back in the old Madden days when you could get like alien characters to be oh, like yeah. your wide receiver. That That's was, what that it seemed like, yeah, with John Wall. Days. Back in the NBA street days, Sean Bradley – like you just posted him down low and it would be goaltending all day and he was obviously not that mm-hmm. good for me it was lucius harris on nba live 03 uh i would always i was a fantasy draft guy if i was starting a you know starting a franchise you could you, you could basically just if you ran enough fantasy drafts you could just get the order there were only like two or three like pre preordained i guess orders <laughs> that that the computer would use you could just kind of know like oh if i'm drafting here this is who i'll be able to get so i had that down and you could grab like t-mac in the first sheet in the second uh marbury in the third and then i would always end up with lucius harris as like my last starter just went off uh brandon jennings and john salmons were big in nba 2k7 way too good uh obviously i had to create brandon jennings so maybe there was some user right. user things going on like should he have been an 87 overall as a rookie yeah probably not but you <laughs> yeah. know nobody ever really called me out on it anyway let's talk some fantasy basketball as you mentioned i was in a 12 team eight category roto league uh, early mock draft that, that played out via Google Doc over the course of something like 10 days uh, in the past couple of weeks. 13 roster spots, traditional eight categories, points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, made threes, uh, field goal percentage, and free throw percentage. We can, we're not going to go through the whole draft. Obviously, we'll kind of take a look, and, and it's hard you know, not having the, you know, the listeners not having the, the Google Doc, I guess, or the draft results in front. But we'll just kind of run through some of the most noteworthy picks. I picked seventh got anthony davis which immediately when i grabbed him at seven you know a couple people commented like that's way too low carl towns went fifth to me those should be swapped i love carl towns as much as anybody but i think davis you know the numbers he put up last year are kind of a baseline and i don't see him sinking anywhere below that yeah and right before so let's see five six seven went big cat Kawhi leonard anthony davis i would rearrange that completely in fact i would so i would slide Kawhi to the second round um just the way that the spurs have their resting schedule and i mean i don't i don't care that they're going to have a facelift this year i just i would not be taking Kawhi that early when you've got demarcus cousins anthony davis chris paul lebron Giannis, john wall i mean i could go on and on of, of the guys i would rather have above Kawhi. so yeah i mean especially if you're looking at pre-draft or preseason rankings over the last couple years um, getting Anthony Davis at seven is is by all means a steal now the big thing here is can he stay healthy of course that's been the big knock on him Um, we know that he can he can light it up he can get a quintuple quintuple double or whatever whatever it is that we're still waiting on it's only been this only happened in the WNBA but we're waiting on Anthony Davis to do it in the NBA David Robinson get really close or do that once maybe maybe I'm thinking of somebody else uh, I'm sure he did. I'm maybe, sure I'm think, maybe I'm thinking of me with Brandon Jennings and, and right. <laughs> yeah. um, But real quickly, sorry to cut you off. I'll just go through the first round quick Might just to kind of well. give a baseline. Yeah. Um, so Westbrook went number one to, to Ricky Sanders of Fantasy Draft. Um, James Harden, two. Steph Curry, three. Kevin Durant, four. Towns, five. Kawhi, six. Davis, seven. Chris Paul, eight. DeMarcus Cousins, nine. Kyle McCune went with LeBron James at 10. Giannis Antetokounmpo, went at 11 and John Wall was the final pick at number 12 of the first round so I mean 
I think in some order, that's probably pretty close to what you're going to see in most traditional drafts. Um, you know, those those at least maybe nine or 10 of those guys, you know, going to be first round picks pretty much across the board. I think John Wall is somewhat borderline. I know you you expressed concern about Kawhi Leonard, but what do you think about Curry and Durant going 3-4? Are those two going to be able to coexist to the point where they're still going to be elite, elite fantasy options? Or is there going to be a little bit of a, a give and take as far as maybe each guy's numbers taking a little bit of a dip? Yeah, I tell you what, we're in the process right now as a company of coming up with our preseason rankings, our preseason projections and all that good stuff. So we're, we're having these talks for sure. Me personally, though, regardless of what we end up with, I'm going to say that I'm going to stay away from them because I think people are going to overdraft them to the point where I'm uncomfortable. I would much rather have a DeMarcus Cousins than a Kevin Durant or Steph Curry for a couple of the reasons that we mentioned earlier, right? There's only so many balls that can go around. I hate that verbiage, but it's true with this particular team. On top of that, they might get into some kind of resting schedule. If you're looking at rotisserie leagues um, where DeMarcus Cousins might be considerably more more valuable if he stays healthy this year than somebody like a Kevin Durant. I'm afraid, personally, I would much rather have somebody else who I know is the breadwinner on their team and could potentially stay healthy for 82 games as that team chases a playoff spot or jockeys for a better playoff spot. I just don't think that Curry and Durant um, throw in Draymond Green, throw in Thompson, who you got in the third round, where I I feel comfortable with that pick that you got. Um, I just... There's a little too many questions. There's just too many question marks for me to consider um, Curry and Durant over somebody like Demarcus Cousins. I'm not too worried about the resting schedule, but I do get what you're, what you're saying. You know, I think there's only so low. You know, Curry and Durant are only going to drop so low. You know, at what point would you not feel comfortable? You're like, are you saying like if Durant's there at like five or six, you have to take him, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know how man. many guys. Like, okay, we'll just we'll do it this way then. So, would you take? Durant or Carl Towns? That's who has five. A, so this is, this is I know. what I'm saying. Like it's still even even if you think Durant well, I might think, drop off, like d- dropping off for Kevin Durant still means probably top five. Well, here's the thing. I think I think Carl Anthony Towns is too high. That's why that's why it's sure. too hard for me. So uh, uh, let me just name off some names here. Uh, Cousins is somebody I'm going to take. I would take Chris Paul. I would probably take Anthony Davis. Uh, let's talk about Giannis though, because Giannis was taken, what was it? 11th here. And if he's in the same role that he ended last year as being the point guard, as being that triple double threat, then I have no problem taking Giannis a lot earlier than this. The reason why he's, you know, slipping to the end of a first round after having such a good end of last season is because we don't know if he's going to be shifted back to small forward where he's off the ball or something like that. I mean, there's that. And there's the fact that he's not a great free throw shooter. He doesn't really give you much at all in terms of volume or percentage from three. That's something that could improve but also something that we really haven't seen at all. Uh, but the nice thing with Giannis is you're getting, if he's point guard eligible, which I, I think he should be this year, you're going to get blocks production at the point guard spot, which you're really not going to find just about anywhere else. And you know, comparing those pre-post All-Star numbers after the All-Star break, so the final 28 games of the year, 18.8 points, 8.6 rebounds, 7.2 assists, only shot 67% from the line, but true shooting you know, right around 56%. And and the thing to me is the usage rate really didn't rise that much at all, less than three percentage points, which kind of shows me that if the ball's in his hands even more, I mean, a usage rate on the year of around 23% is really, really low for, you know, for a, a talent, I guess, of Giannis's caliber. So I think there's still a higher ceiling that we could see from him. But at the same time, I don't think this Bucks roster got a whole lot better. And, you know, him playing on the ball was exciting and the numbers were there. But 
it didn't really make them any better of a team. And, and I do wonder at some point if they struggle out of the gate, if, you know, they kind of rethink that strategy. Yeah, I well, you brought up a great point is that regardless of how much point guard he plays this year, he should be point guard eligible in pretty much every single league. He's really going to be eligible for every spot besides center this year. So that gives you a lot of flexibility. I love that just from, you know, from an adjustment point right. of view as the season goes along. That helps along. too. Yeah, as you're building your roster, you don't have to worry about you know, if, if I take him here, maybe I can't grab this guy in round two or this guy in round three. He's basically a utility. Right. And that comes into play a lot more so with DFS. And then, you know, in basketball, you tend to have big rosters where that doesn't become an issue like it does mm-hmm. in NFL. Obviously, sure. that becomes a, a huge issue where you don't have position variability, uh, unless you're talking about Jimmy Graham, maybe um, a couple of years ago. One thing I would say, though, um, you did say that maybe free throw percentage is going to hurt if you're using Yana if you're using Giannis in that point guard spot but your field goal percentage like you're probably going to win field goal percentage um, if you're if you're slotting Giannis into right point guard 50. and then you're playing other you know other players accordingly you, you can say that he hurts you in free throw but he's really going to help you if he's shooting around 50 51 percent right. this year and that I you know like you know for the most part point guard is your worst field goal per shooting uh, spot or slot, you know what I mean, right? Um, and if you have something that's going to shoot fifty percent, you can lock up that category, right? And this is a guy who's probably going to get to fourteen hundred points, a hundred steals, a hundred twenty blocks, um, you know. And and if he improves as a three point shooter, he might get to fifty threes. And I, I watched just about every Bucks game last season, and it seemed like he was never taking threes. Finished the year with twenty eight, which a low number certainly, but yeah, it certainly didn't seem like he made. Uh, 28 threes on the year and I think the other expectation with that is if you're of the belief that he's going to take the next step as a shooter that factors into where you're taking him and if you think he's going to become a better three-point shooter his field goal percentage goes up by default and and a lot of times as guys figure out their stroke in the NBA that also translates to the free throw line as well so I, I think it does require a little bit of a gamble to be this high on Giannis but if you buy in there's a pretty decent chance that it's going to pay off. Paul Millsap is somebody that I think should sneak into first rounds in some drafts out there, but he's not because I'm he's just worried Paul about Millsap. the Hawks in general. That that team. Well, that should only make you like Paul Millsap more. He's going to get even more touches, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a Dwight factor. You know that there's a, there's the off chance that Dwight Howard just comes into this offense and things implode. I love Dwight. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that there's going to be maybe a little bit of a discount on Millsap because of that. Um, what, some, one guy I think went a little too high was Victor Oladipo, second last pick of the second round, so 23rd overall, went ahead of Jimmy Butler, went ahead of Marcus Gasol, Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan, and who obviously hurts you a ton in the free throw percentage category in a league like this. Even Serge Ibaka, who went mid-third round. I, I like Serge Ibaka quite a bit in Orlando. Um, Oladipo is a bit of a head-scratcher. Uh, yeah, you know, mock drafts aren't perfect. So don't always write right. them off as, you know, this is what the rankings are going to be at this point in the offseason. Uh, no, I, I don't like that pick whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's, a, if it's a mock draft or not. It's not a good pick. Um, Oladipo should be going much. Like, he might have been the only guy Oladipo. that... I think there's a lot of value there. I just don't think it's second round value. Yeah, but when when we were talking, the players that were available, Jimmy Butler, Marcus Saul, McCollum, Irving, I mean... Well, how worried are you about Jimmy Butler with the arrival of Wade and the arrival of Rondo? Jimmy Butler's going to get stats. It's, it's going to happen. He's, he's so going to get into it. Um, if we're comparing him to a Marcus Saul, maybe I'll lean towards a Marcus Saul because of that uncertainty. Um, but I mean, at that spot, like Victor Oladipo is good, but he doesn't like really help you a super lot 
in one like I can't even say like he's you're really going for like these four stats in particular or something like that which isn't necessarily bad you know a guy who helps you across the board but I think you want you want an elite producer in at least a few categories that high in the draft yeah so I mean I think that he realistically could have been taken like two rounds later. Yeah. And I and I think he would have slid down that far. And, you know, Ethan Noroff, who I've never met before, but I don't think it's a good pick, Ethan. Sorry. <laughs> you know, you probably would have been the only guy taking him in the next round and the next round after that where things would have gotten more interesting. I went with Clay Thompson with my third overall pick. That was in the third round, which would be what? Something overall. I don't know. I'm very bad at math looking at this document. Uh, but I was able to grab Clay Thompson midway through the third round, we'll say. I was a little bit skittish on it. I went I went Blake Griffin midway through the second with, with my second pick. I was really glad to get him. I think if he's healthy, he's going to have a monster year. Um, but with taking Davis and Griffin 1-2, I felt like I needed to compensate with a backcourt player and with a volume three-point shooter. That's what I got in Thompson. I mean, how much of, their, how much of a concern is there to you that – he's the guy that takes a, a step back because of Kevin Durant. I think by default, it's going to be somebody like, is he going to be the, the Chris Bosch slash Kevin Love of this team? I don't know. See, the one thing about Thompson that I always thought last year is, you know, if Curry were to go out or if Draymond were to go out, the Warriors would be in legitimate trouble because Thompson really can't initiate the offense. He can't drive, he can't kick. And you know what? That might actually suit him well in this particular team because Durant can, you know, bring it in kick. Draymond Green can do that too. So I think there's still going to be a ton of wide open looks for Klay Thompson. Now here, I was looking at this earlier before we jumped on the pod here, and I was thinking, you know, I, I think it's a, I think it's perfectly fine, and I'm not flattering you. I have no problem putting you down on this pod. But I would say you know, he's a three-point specialist. I mean, he's one of the best three-point shooters, if not probably the second best of all time, right? And so the same way that we viewed somebody like Serge Ibaka over the last few years, where he is going to win you a category. Like, Clay Thompson is going to put you one or two in that category, in three-point shooting category. So in the third round, I think you really can start to target guys who are straight up going to win you categories. Somebody like a Rajon Rondo, who could, like, win you the assist category mm-hmm. you know what i mean and but you need to be looking at that in the third and fourth round because in the first and second round you're looking at top to bottom production because those guys are available right. I, I think clay you know last season 276 made threes that was his career high by you know about give or take 40 i think that maybe goes down a bit but i think we could see his percentage even go up and this is a guy who shot 43 percent from three last year but he's gonna have so many open looks and he's one of the best catch and shoot you know, catch and shoot players, maybe even maybe the he might be a better catch and shoot shooter than Stephen Curry is. I think Curry's probably better off the dribble, but I, I don't know if there's anyone else in the league that if you have an open corner three that you're kicking to, I think it's Clay Thompson that you want taking that shot. With Kevin Durant on this team, with Steph Curry on this team, with Draymond Green seemingly crashing, you know, wide open toward the hoop and kicking it to the corner on every play in that offense, he's gonna have more open looks, I think, than ever before. That percentage is gonna skyrocket, even if the volume goes down quite a bit. And the other thing is they're not going to be playing all four of these guys on the court together all the time. You know, I think we probably won't see all four on the court together all that much, to be honest. You know, they'll start the game and a lot of times they'll probably finish the game. But there are going to be times when Durant and Draymond are on the bench and it's back to Curry and Clay like it was for a lot of last season. Or, you know, Clay's on the bench with, you know, with Curry and Durant's running the office. Steve Kerr is going to find ways that 
you know, Clay Thompson's still going to have an opportunity to go for 25 and a quarter sometimes. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I just don't think there's any reason for Thompson to be driving whatsoever. I think that he, in all honesty, could attempt more threes this year, this coming year than he did last year because mm-hmm. you added another guy who can kick and legitimately, uh, or who drive and can legitimately kick it out. Um, you know, there's no reason for Draymond to be one of the guys in the corner. I know they do that sometimes. Um, I, yeah, I, th- I like Thompson a lot is what I'm trying to say, but let's take a deeper dive into some of these um because this is the fun part like we're 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 newer guys or rookies or one season guys are are really sneaking up when we didn't think uh we didn't even think about them last year so stanley johnson went in the 13th round one of the final picks uh, of the entire draft i think that's a great pick in the 13th you know there's a reason he fell that far Uh, i don't necessarily love his path to playing time i guess in detroit but I think he might just be good enough in year two that he kind of forces his way onto the court. I don't know what he's going to get you, though. Um, I I think this dynamic is pretty much the same, and I don't know why he'd be given much of a bigger role. Um, Last year, I forget who was out for most of the season. It was somebody like Anthony Tolliver. I forget. I I forget now because we have the updated rosters up, but I I really don't see him seeing a whole lot much more of a role on this team. Like, do you think he's going to break out in points or rebounds or assists? I think it's just going to be, he's going to give you all of them. I mean, kind of like the Oladipo conversation, I guess, you know, to a much lesser degree, of course. Um, But I mean, I think that the door is open for him to be the sixth man for this team. And I think Stan Van Gundy wasn't quite comfortable throwing him in there, you know, in that role full time. But, you know, with a year under his belt, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, was arguably the number one recruit coming out of high school, a guy who's you know accustomed to shouldering a heavy offensive load, and obviously that doesn't always translate to the NBA. But I think he's I think he's going to be developed to the point that it's going to be hard for Detroit to kind of keep him you know behind KCP and behind Marcus Morris in, in only a fifteen minute per night type of role. Yeah, fair enough. He averaged twenty three minutes last season. Realistically, what's the top end here? Twenty eight minutes per game is if he yeah, was. Like I didn't a, realize he was that high, he was up that high last year. I guess um, probably around the same. To be honest, I mean, it's, yeah, I'm thinking more like twenty four to twenty six is what we could see him this year. And because he's not a bona fide legitimate score like like Lou Williams you know, as good as good is as good as it's going to get in that mm-hmm. six man role for be, having fantasy relevancy. And Stanley Johnson cannot score the ball like Lou does. Right. That's true. Um, let's go through the rest of these real quickly, a little bit short on time. Harrison Barnes in the 11th round, Harrison Barnes, no athlete has ever, I don't even know what the right word is like lost just so much reputation by being named at the Olympic team. Like that was, that ended up being like a bad career move for Harrison Barnes. Like he should have just declined that. Um, but he goes in the 11th round. I mean, looking up and down this Dallas roster, Dirk is still there. And after last season, there's, there's reason for encouragement. And even Darren Williams has rebounded to some degree, certainly not to where he was five, six years ago. Wes Matthews should be better now, you know, more than a full year removed from that Achilles injury. But there's not necessarily anything preventing Harrison Barnes from grabbing hold of a, a number one or number one A option for this offense. No, I totally agree. And what's funny is that the lasting images of the Olympics are just him sitting in warmups at the end of the bench, like never yeah. sniffing the court. But we're talking about fantasy here, and he's going to be a one or one A option, like you just said. So if we're talking fantasy, I think a lot of people have soured on him because they think of him as the odd man out, the expendable guy. But he's going to get reps. He's going to get minutes. I do want wonder you know Wes Matthews that guy is confident and I you know I almost want to say cocky so he might actually like take on a role that bigger than what he thinks he should or what Dallas would like him to take on so I'd be a little bit concerned that maybe Wes Matthews could end up being 
the fantasy wonder boy in Dallas at the end of the season if he stays healthy. But Harrison Barnes, it's all about minutes, man. That's the most important stat in fantasy. Harrison Barnes is going to see a lot of them. So I like him. I, I think that, uh, you know, I'll be looking to take him ninth, tenth round in drafts. Where, where did he go? I'm, I'm trying to look for him. I don't see him. He went in round 11. Round 11. To, yeah, last pick, or no, not the last pick at all. Midway through round 11, uh, Zach Ruiz of the Fantasy Fix grabbed him. So, yeah, I'd feel way more comfortable. Somebody who was taken in the, exactly one round ahead of him was Luol Dang. I'd rather have Barnes there. Oh, yeah. uh, I'd rather have Barnes maybe than Levine. And probably maybe, I mean, I, I think he... Harrison Barnes could give you like... 15 points a game next year maybe more go. yeah no we've never the other thing is we just we've never seen him in a role like this right. so there's there's a you know an upside and a downside to that yeah i think one thing i was looking at his stats back when he was seeing well i guess he saw at least 28 minutes each of the last three seasons uh field goal percentage uh you know in 2013 2014 when maybe looks were harder to come by he didn't even average forty uh, percent from the field. Once the team started to get better, boom! His field goal percentage rose to forty-eight and forty-seven percent over the last two seasons. I'm expecting to see a very bad field goal percentage, but that doesn't mean he's not going to have legitimate fantasy mm-hmm. value coming up this season. All right, so let's finish up with LeBron. We hinted at that at the top of the podcast. He went at number nine. Seems like, like you said, there's that expectation that the monkey's off his back. You know, he no longer has to to be angry LeBron James at all times. You know, he he's done what he came back to accomplish. Now he's going to coast. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. Uh, I mean, he's he's already said he's he's up in the gym. You know, working you know earlier than he normally would be in the off season. Um, and it's tough for us on the outside to judge what LeBron James' internal motivations are. You know, entering a season, but. After he won his first title uh, back over OKC in 2012, had arguably his best season ever. That was the you know the off the charts efficiency season. The counting stats weren't his best. You know I think those those days were back in Cleveland, but shot something like 50 percent or 57 percent from the floor in that team. You know, that was the 27 win uh, win streak team, and things were just kind of cruising for them. I could kind of see this happening again in Cleveland, where he you know kind of doubles down after winning the title and uses it as motivation to to get even better or you know, like you said it could just be a all right you know Kyrie you're going to be more of the guy offensively love we're going to maybe fit you in more where you're comfortable and come playoff time I'll shift it back into gear well let me ask you this traditionally LeBron James has been drafted within the first seven picks of all drafts right yes. over the last however many years 10 years you took Anthony Davis. Now I understand that pick, but what? Like, did you think about LeBron oh, James? Yeah. You did. It was between those two because I, st- I, th- I still think there's a lot of reason to take him within the first five picks. No, absolutely. Season. I think. Yeah. I mean, you just, the thing with LeBron is you just know what you're getting at the minimum. You know, at worst you're going to get 25 points, six and a half rebounds, six and a half assists, 51 percent field goal, and you know you, you would like to think that the three point shooting maybe comes around after a, a year and a half absence, but. You know, I think he's about as safe as it gets. You know, maybe I could see why you'd want to go with Demarcus Cousins, certainly Russell Westbrook, James Harden, just because the upside, I think, from a fantasy perspective, strictly is quite a bit higher. But I mean, with LeBron, I just don't see really any risk, especially as late as number nine. Yeah, you're right. There's not a lot of risk there. So what I would say is I'd be a little bit cautious in rotisserie leagues as maybe he does move into a role. I mean, his minutes have basically declined every year for the last like four or five years, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one thing to be wary of. Total games played. He could, you know, 
Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving as your two best players is still a really good team, right? And so they could win games by themselves. So in terms of a rotisserie, I'd be a little afraid where I'm definitely, definitely going to be targeting guys like DeMarcus Cousins, like James Harden, uh, like Carl Anthony Towns, maybe even somebody like Giannis or John Wall who has to play for their team's viability. They have to play 82 games. Mm -hmm. So when you're counting all stats from the first game to the last game and they matter just the same, I'd much rather have those young guys, proven guys as well, that need to be playing and out there on the court. All right, let's run through some trivia real quickly. I, I got some good ones for you. I'm pretty proud of these. We'll see how this goes. Who were the two players, not named Pascal Siakam, I gave you him as a, as a free space because no one knows who that is, to be drafted in the first round of the 2016 draft from non-power conference schools? So everybody other than Pascal Siakam, these two guys were either foreign players or came from uh, high major schools. If you listened to the pod last season, you know that I, f- I always feel exposed during this trivia. It's, this is sound, a tough one. I mean, you probably like haven't thought about the draft in a while. I know. I, yeah, that's the thing here. It's like I, I, you know, I, I looked over the draft, watched the draft, covered the draft for the website, and top to bottom. And now that I've I've just like done away with it for the last two months, I can't mm-hmm. think of anybody. Um, one was a lottery pick. One, one, one I think, went 21, 22, something like that. I hate that I'm doing this because I should know. But again, we're in this. You definitely we, should know. We're in this limbo. That's a hint. Um, Oklahoma City. Wait. I should. <laughs> I hate I this. So. I hate this. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay. So, DeMontis Sabonis, Gonzaga. Obviously, being in the WCC. Okay. And right, for Gonzaga. DeAndre Bembry. From St. Joe's, okay. Atlanta Hawks. All, All right, right. That, was a, that was a tough one. Like you said, the draft's not really fresh in your mind at this point. Nah. Um, who does Dwayne Dedman play for? Longtime member of the Orlando Magic. I have no idea. <laughs> I, the reason I included this is because I saw something on Twitter. I, I think he tweeted something. It was it was about two K <laughs> and got retweeted onto my feed. And he plays for the Spurs. It was him in a Spurs jersey. I was Whoa. like, oh, hey, no way. Dwayne Dedman plays for the Spurs. So good, good right job, away, I was, like, I was thinking, like, if I don't know that, I wonder if anybody else knows that. <laughs> I don't. So I there we not. go. All right, now 0 for 2. You, all right, you got to get back on track here. What do you mean on track compared to last year is, is exactly 0 for whatever. <laughs> Just get on track. I shouldn't say back on track. Um, name three of the five players who recorded at least 500 points, 200 assists, and 100 blocks last season. Uh, quick three two. of the five. If anybody ever asks you questions like these, just make sure to pull out the calculator and divide by 82. So for assists, we're looking at 2.44 assists. Um, I know it wasn't Hassan Whiteside. Um, Absolutely that, not. You know, I don't even think he got to like 50 assists. Right. These are tough, man. Yeah, the, the total number of questions are, are a little bit tough. 2.43 assists is, or 2.44 assists is, is kind of legit. Hassan Whiteside has 36 career assists. Right. <laughs> yeah. In 140 games. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the 500 points is nothing. Like, that's not hard to get to. 200 assists, a little bit hard to get to. 100 blocks, pretty hard to get to. Uh, Gordon Hayward. No. No? You think Gordon Hayward blocked 100 shots last year? <sighs> Obviously, I did, but I guess <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I really hold him in 27 shots. I hold him in such high regard, like too high of regard. Um, it's not good. Um, 
Yeah, I know. I'm trying to think of hints. Well, two. Jimmy Butler. No, these are they're all big men. Oh, they're all big men. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. A hundred blocks is a lot of blocks. Marcus. Like, LeBron, like at his peak, was was not even getting to a hundred blocks. Okay. Um, good to good to. No, Marcus. Saul, I don't think played enough games for that. This is yeah. This is just gonna be bad. Unless you meant to say Pau Gasol, that's one. I didn't mean to say. All right, Pau, there we go. There's you. one. Pau Gasol. Carl Anthony Towns. Ooh, very very close. He was 39 oh. assists shy. Good guess though. Okay, he'll get it. This Two year. of these guys were teammates. One was a, I believe, a second team All NBA performer. One has many more assists than all the other guys. I always love that you think you're helping me. and I am. Not. I guess, yeah, maybe in my mind it's, it's easier. DeMarcus Cousins? Nope. All right. Yeah. Time's up. I'm Thank calling you. it. Thank you. Draymond Green. Put me out of my misery. Draymond Green, 598 assists. That's a lot of assists. Yes. Um, wow. 113 blocks. And, of course, he had the points. Giannis Antetokounmpo. 345 assists, 113 blocks as well. Pau Gasol, and then the tandem of Millsap and Horford both did it. Oh, wow. All right, that was a tough one. Which team has the second longest active playoff streak behind the Spurs? Spurs are far and away number one at at 19. Thunder are getting up there. No. Two years ago, they didn't make it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Man, I'm a bad Thunder fan. I... This is a nine-year streak. It's an Eastern Conference team. Okay. Heat. Nope. I don't think they made it two years ago either. Just think just steady, <laughs> but never really that good. Atlanta? Yeah. Wow. The Atlanta Hawks. Every year since 2006, 2007. All right. This player was a high school teammate of OJ Mayo and a college teammate of John Wall. Who is he? What stretch for? Is he? You're too. You're far too kind, which makes me look even worse. <laughs> um, so we're talking Kentucky guy. Yep. Um, OG Mayo went to is from a Cali guy, right? Or no? Uh, I know he went to USC. He but... went. He went to high school in West Virginia oh, for a boy. couple years, if that helps. Six-time state champion, OJ Mayo. Six-time state champion. I needed some background music to help me out, and it didn't help me out. Yeah, at all. I don't know where that came from. Um, uh, I believe this player. I'm trying to think of a non-obvious clue. I believe he won a national title with Kentucky as as an upperclassman. Oh no, he didn't. No, I'm sorry, he he totally didn't. He he left school with the same year as John Wall, but he was two years older than than Wall and Cousins and Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe. Incorrect. Patrick Patterson. Oh, okay. Patrick High school Patterson. Team. Oh, West Virginia. Yeah, that should yep. have been a give, dead giveaway for mm-hmm. me. Sure. All right, coming in hot. <laughs> I'm gonna name. I'm gonna name the NBA alumni of these schools. You tell me the name of the school. So I'm gonna give you a list of players. You tell me where they played. Calvert Cheney, DJ White, Isaiah Thomas. We're talking the Isaiah Thomas, Pistons Isaiah Thomas. Right. Uh, Indiana. Indiana. One for one. Udonis Haslam, Mike Miller. Jason J. Will Williams, Corey Brewer. I like that I have four options here. Let's go with Florida. Correct. You can, you can say it as soon as you know. You don't have to let me get to the end of the list. Okay. If, if, if you just know it from the first one, go for it. Sure. Juan Dixon. Maryland. 
There we go. Aaron Brooks. Luke Ridnauer. Oregon. Yep. Allen Houston. Scotty Hobson. Tobias Harris. Josh Richardson. I really like Scotty Hobson, so I had to include him, even though he's not at all relevant. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever heard of him before. Which is not surprising after you hear me do this trivia. Uh, I'm really trying to zone in on Tobias Harris, uh, Seton Hall. Tennessee. Oh, that's Tennessee. right. That's right. Rick Fox, Jerry Stackhouse, Ed Davis, Rashid Wallace. <sighs> Man, they got some big names up there. Namely, there are, this school has some much bigger names as well. Really? That's a hint. Okay, much much bigger. North Carolina. North Carolina. Nice. I had no idea Rick Fox went to North Carolina. No, I can't even. I bet he looks good in baby blue. I just watched his highlight tape. Uh, not sorry, not Rick Fox highlight tape. Rasheed Wallace's highlight tape at UNC earlier this week. Ridiculous. Like, I, I remember Rasheed as just being kind of, you know, a stretch four type of guy. Like yeah. he was just a monster high flyer dunker. Really? Type, which, yeah. Which I is can't even see. I think, I think maybe we're too young to remember. My that. lasting image of him is not high flying. Mm-hmm. All right. Final one. Iman Shumpert, Stefan Marbury, Jarrett Jack, Thaddeus Young. Those are some good names too, man. Uh, yeah. All within the last what, 20 years too. Yeah. Not long. I I don't know. Georgia Tech. No way. Really? Oh, yeah. Why yep. didn't you throw Derek Favors on there? Because that would make it too easy. Yeah. I don't know. Would it, would it have? I, don't know. I thought, I thought Marbury is kind of like the guy for them. I, okay. I, I honestly mm-hmm. didn't know that any of these guys went to Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew Derek Favors did, though. Yeah. I think, I think Jared Jack was on the team when they went to the national title against Emeka Okafor's team. Georgia Tech? Day. Whoa. Yeah, it was the Jarrett Jack, Will Bynum backcourt. Wow. That was, at one point, was good enough to, to almost win a national <laughs> title. All right, fair enough. All right, that's it. So, yeah, we'll get back to trivia. I'm looking forward to it uh, on the next podcast. We'll try to do a couple more of these throughout the pre-draft season. Um, you know, once drafts pick up, probably next month, then we'll, we'll ramp these up considerably. But, yeah, we'll try to sit down maybe once every couple weeks uh until then so thanks for listening and of course as always give us a follow on twitter check out the site rotowire.com go to rotowire.com slash free get 10 days of free access that can help you with the nba season coming up and of course with the nfl season as well everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.